Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. I'm going to let you know, as you know, Pastor Cliff's gone. So you get me again today. But as I get started, I need Kelsey to run because I need the slide up. Hurry. But, but we are starting. Oh, it's already up. Good deal. We are starting kind of, I'm going to call it, and I don't know if this is the right terminology or not, but I'm going to call it a series within all series. And the reason I say it that way is the nuts and bolts of the Christian life. Pastor Cliff does different series all the time, but sometimes he's gone. Sometimes in between his series, he'll do a sermon here and there. Pastor Bill, Pastor Cliff, and myself have decided that in the times that Bill and I, or I are preaching, or in the in-between times, we're going to do a few messages on the nuts and bolts of the Christian life. What is it after we become a Christian? What is it? What are the different things that can help us in our Christian walk? What is it that we need to be doing on a daily level, on a daily basis, yearly basis? What is it? What are the different things that can help us maintain our relationship with Christ and continue growing with Him? So today, I am going to be talking about time. Obviously, you see the clocks. And those of you with OCD, I know none of them are the same time. I did that on purpose because I didn't want you watching the clock during my boring message. However, what we're doing today is we are talking about time and how it affects us. Because we know, we know we live in a society that you have to wear a watch or you have to have your phone because you live by the next alarm going off on your phone on when the next meeting is. Or you live by what time you have to wake up in the morning because you got to be at work and then you have this and then you have that and oh, I got to go over here and oh, by the way, don't forget the kids have soccer, karate, whatever you want. And we're going nonstop. And if the clock, the time, and everybody says, well, you don't have any excuse because everybody has a cell phone which has the clock on it and you may not wear a watch, but you always have your, your clock on the phone so you have no excuse, don't ever be late, let's go, keep moving. And what we wind up doing is adding, adding, adding. And time's gone. I was uh, listening to the radio a while back, and they were talking about um, the average length of a lifespan. And they were talking about when, how long across the, the world, in different countries, who had the, average, the highest average of a life, who had the shortest. America was four years behind Japan. In other words, if you live in Japan, you live average four years longer than you do in America. And they had different reasons. One was, well, the driving age is younger in America, and there's car accidents every weekend where students are killed, so that drops it. But then they also started talking about, well, really more people drive in America. In Japan, more people walk. So that makes you a healthier person, and you're going to live longer that way than if you just sit down in the car and drive everywhere you go because you're getting your exercise. But bottom line, they came down to the conclusion that said there is a 100% fatality rate among human beings in the world. Everybody's going to die which I did what you did, I laughed. But it's so true. 
you are going to die physically. You will no longer be on this earth. So the question isn't, what am I, am I going to die? The question is, what am I doing with my life? Psalms 90, uh, yeah, Psalms 90 verse 12 states, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, if we only have a certain amount of time, let's make the most of it. If we only have a certain amount of time, why are we wasting time doing things that don't matter? For instance, you have two jars here. In this jar, I have a bunch of rice, 10 pounds to be exact. This rice represents all the things you do that really doesn't matter. You can take this jar and you can make this jar represent a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever you want. You decide. For me, I'm using it as a day. But as I look at this and I put my hand in this, I keep thinking of the stuff that really doesn't matter, that eats up time. For instance, shopping at a mall. Worthless. Reading a book. Facebook. Hunting. Did I just say hunting? Fishing. Shopping for a new car you can't afford. Looking at houses you can't afford. Pinterest. Fill in the blank. All the stuff you do throughout the day, talking on the phone or texting, all the stuff you do throughout the day that really doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, you look at it and go, huh, I got nothing done today. I hate those days. Because then, if this represents an average day, and I put God in it, I put church in it, I put my wife in it. I put my kids. I put, I can't. Because I ran out of time. And then I go to bed at night and go, what about my jobs? What about the people that really needed me to help them today and I couldn't? What about my extended family who really wanted to spend time with me today? And I look at it and I go, what do I have to leave out? Because really, when we do this, we're leaving something important out. And you can fill in the blank what it is. Granted, the stuff that is important to me that I have to get done are different than you. We have to make different choices because we have different priorities. But see, the problem here is the fact that we're not understanding something. When this is how we live our life, which, by the way, most of people do, we're not understanding that priority dictates capacity. And when we start 
doing things a little differently and we take the things that are a priority, God, family, job, church, um, small group, um, helping out that guy who asked me if he could really needed me to come over and help him in his yard because he was handicapped and couldn't do it. And then we take all the other stuff that we want to do that really means nothing and we pour it in. We find out that priority really does dictate capacity. Our priorities are messed up. We're doing the stuff we want to do that really has no effect on anything. And frankly, if we want to say it in the correct way, really leaves our kids, our spouse, our job, all of our commitments behind. Why? Because either A, we don't want to face life, or B, they're just more fun. We understand when we do all that and when we look at that, the priority dictates capacity. Say that with me. Priority dictates capacity. Which begs the question, what are your priorities? What are you putting first? What are you bringing and putting at the top of the list in order to get done? What is most important to you? What is it that you need to spend time doing that you're not? Now, I'll say this. There could come down the time that you say, but Aaron, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I got it all done. And I would ask you this question. Are you putting everything into it? Or just getting it done? Side note, wasn't planning on saying this, but I do believe, and I don't know if, Pastor Cliff and Bill agree with me on this, but I do believe we can put way too much time in doing things at church and not enough time in ministering. Because you know what? If I don't do it, nobody else will. In which case, you're teaching Sunday school, teaching a Bible study, being an usher, working around the church, and every single thing you're doing is getting halfway done instead of completely done and completely the way God wants you to do it because in the name of serving, I spend all my time at the church and I leave my kids out at home. Back on track. What are your priorities? Priorities. And what is it that you really need to be spending your time doing? Simply put, when we put God in the bottom first and we surround everything else around Him, your priorities will be dictated for you. Your priorities will be shown to you if he is the one that's in the bottom and we are going after him first you will see it now here's the problem when it comes to talking about priority or prioritize you don't find it in the bible i haven't seen it pastor bill said have you checked the message i haven't seen the message it might be in there somewhere but in niv in the older translations it's not in there so for today i am going to take a liberty And I want you to look at priority and seek as the same thing. 
Because priority, the thing you have up here, and as we look at scriptures, as in Psalms chapter 63, verse 1, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you, which I think we can agree, you can only earnestly seek one thing. You can't earnestly seek two things. You can only do it one at a time. Psalms 119.10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands, or I prioritize you with all my heart. You can't do two things with all your heart. Then your heart would be divided, and you're not doing it with all of it. You can only seek one thing with all your heart. When you do that, your life will show it. When you divide it, it'll show that as well. Earnestly seeking with all your heart. Proverbs 28.5 Evildoers do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. In other words, in order to understand what is right, we have to put God first. Make Him our first priority. When we put Him in the jar first, the bucket, whatever you want to call it, everything else forms around Him and He dictates what we do. We also find out what we don't need to be doing. We also find out what we can set aside. The question is, are you willing to make God the number one priority in your life? Now that's a big question, because the answer is always what? Of course I am. No problem. Until I get up and go to work tomorrow, and they say, uh, Julie Burke, we need you to do da-da-da-da-da. And you're saying, how am I supposed to do that? I don't believe in that. But you know what? If I don't do that, then I'm not going to climb the ladder. I better go in and do that right now. How much is he really your top priority? Because it's easy on Sunday morning to say that. It's easy in small group to say that. It's even easy to say that within your own house. What do your actions show? Are you earnestly seeking with all your heart? And saying, I can't do that. I have too many things going. I can tell you this, that even within the ministry, if you were to go to a pastor's convention, or if you were to go to camp, or if you were to go to any district event and you say, I have to leave early. My kids have da da da. Someone will say, your kids? We all have kids. To which I had to learn to say, mine must be more special than yours then. That stops them in their tracks. Well, no, they're not. Okay. What is the priority? Is it to climb the ladder in our job? Is it to make everybody think we're something we're not? Or is the priority to earnestly seek and do what God has asked us to do? Today I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. And this comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's Jesus talking and telling us, well... We'll dive into it. But he talks about seeking God here. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? 
Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So do not say, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? This draws us to the biggest problem we have. What's going to happen? If I lose my job, what's going to happen next? If, 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 where am I going to eat? Where am I going to sleep? How am I going to pay this next bill? How am I not? What? Jesus just told us that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. He told us He, he knows exactly what we need, and He's going to give it to us. And He also said, why are you worried about it? Because the pagans are running after that. Why would you even attempt to do that? Which brings us to the conclusion. Verse 33. Page turn. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, make it a priority to do as he wants. Seek him. When you seek him, you'll find him. Seek him with all your heart and let him dictate what's going to happen. Don't worry about what's happening today. Don't worry about what's happening tomorrow. Because you know what? Something's going to happen. And you're not going to like it. God's got what you need for it, though. And he will bring you through that day, no matter how busy you think you are. Because the fact of the matter is, when we are worried about it, when it comes down and we're struggling and we're going, I don't know about this time. I don't know how I'm going to make it work. I, man, I got to hurry up because you know what? I got a meeting this morning. I got to work all day long. I got somebody to meet for lunch. I got to take the boy to baseball practice. I got to hit softball practice. We got a game afterwards. We got dance going on then. We might get home at nine o'clock. Oh, I forgot about board meeting. When we're worried about what's happening, do you know what really is going on? You're so busy that it's affecting your intimacy and your relationships. Yes. Obviously, our relationship with Christ. But let's not forget the person sitting next to us that we don't have time to talk to. That we don't have time just sit down and enjoy each other's company. It was a whole lot easier when our kids were little and they didn't go to school and they didn't do activities and they went to bed at 7.30 at night because that's when the pot of coffee went on and we had date night every night and sat down and either watched TV or talked with a cup of coffee in hand. You know how hard that is to do when you don't get home till 10 o'clock? Busyness affects your intimacy. Which brings us to the problem of, or the question of, how do we do this? How do we not worry? How do we not let busyness affect our intimacy? How do we not get so busy that we're running rampant? We're, we're told not to. We're told to not worry about it. We're told to let things happen and go the way it's supposed to go and let God be first. How do we do that? Pastor Cliff has talked very openly about your quiet time, 
And I've heard him say, and I'm not arguing with him at all. I've heard him say, you may not be a morning person. You may not want to do it in the morning because it's hard to get up. Um, just make sure you get them done throughout the day. And what I'm about to talk about has nothing to do with what he was talking about. I believe wholeheartedly he's right in quiet time. However, I do believe that before you get out of bed every morning, each one of us has the ability to say three things. God, help my day to be what you desire. Help me to remember that you are the king and the father. And God, lead me today in the way you want it to go. Every morning, Monday through Friday, I get up at 4.50 and I go work out. Brian Johnson either picks me up or I pick him up. I got to tell you, there was a time that went by that I quit doing it. I forgot. But something hit me, which is where, in all honesty, this sermon came to me from. Something hit me. Why am I grumpy? Why do I feel like I'm getting nothing done? How come I can't see the good? How come I feel like I'm trudging or treading water and doing nothing? And it hit me. You're not asking God to guide you. It used to be every morning I'd get up and go for a run. And before I picked my buddy up when I was running, I would say this as I was running, and I'd sing worship songs. I started again about two weeks ago. On the way to pick Brian up or before he came and got me, God, help today be what you want. Guide me in today and help me remember that you're king. All of a sudden, things started changing again. I guarantee you, if you start doing it, you will know by noon if you didn't. Because everything just comes down on you. And you look at it and go, oh, I forgot. I never asked God to help me out. I never asked him to remind me how powerful he is. And because I didn't, I'm doing all this stuff. Because I didn't, I'm doing the things that I think need to be done, not the things he thinks need to be done. Martin Luther said it best. Pray and let God worry. Martin Luther said, you know what? I knew that when I had big day coming up, the days that I had more to do than the average, that I didn't know how I was going to get it all done, I prayed more than any on those days. I made it a point to take the time to pray more than any on those days. He said, because when I did, things went smoothly. And I got everything done he wanted me to. I remember about 12 years ago, I was in charge of games at camp. First year I was going to do that. And the director stopped by to see me. And he calls me and he says, hey, I'm in your area. Can I swing by? You want to do lunch? And I said, man, Scott, I'm so busy today. I don't have time. He goes, I just need, give give me a half hour. Okay. So I swung in, and when I walked in, he looked at me. He goes, you don't look good. I said, man, I've got a day. I just don't. I got so much to do before tonight. We're doing a bonfire. I couldn't get out there and get anything done because they've been working in the field. I can't do it till today. I'm on my way out there now. 
I've got so many things to do. I've got all these students coming tonight. I, uh, he goes, do me a favor. I said, what? He said, go back to your office, shut the door, turn on worship music, and sit there for a half hour. I said, I can't. He goes, do it. I had two hours to spare at the end of the day. I do not believe it was because of my crazy ability to run as fast as I can. I believe it all came down to the fact that I took time to put God first and to show him, I want to do what you want. I want you to be top priority, whether it be job, school, family, whatever it is. I want you to be top dog. I want you to show me what I need to do. Because when we put him first, once again, he shows us what we are supposed to do. Because the little things, they pile up. All of a sudden, we mistake them for big things. For the things that we got to get done when really we don't have to at all. Do you realize that if an email comes through, it's not going anywhere? You can respond to it tomorrow. I love my iPhone, but man, it gets in the way sometimes. Because people can get a hold of you like that, no matter where you're at. For instance, I was driving back out of the mountains yesterday, and when I came back into service, the phone just went. Blum, blum, blum. As I'm driving, I'm keeping. Oh, I'm driving. You want to answer everything right away, because we feel like we have to. Don't have to. We can listen to what God says is important and follow what He wants us to do. Because when those little things become big and we start doing them, it's again, we start putting them ahead of family, at a job, at a church. There was a College coach, University of Miami. He won a national championship. But when he went to the NFL, he divorced his wife. Like that. They asked why he was getting a divorce. His response, when I was in college, I needed my wife. Because when I'd go recruit, I needed people to understand that we were going to watch over their kid. And she could be the mother figure. But now that I'm in the NFL, I don't need her anymore. I love my boys, but I don't need my wife. So he divorced her. He went. He became an NFL coach. Contrast that with Tom Landry, who is an NFL coach, who had a whole bunch of success who says, in my life, it goes Christ, family, football. God's given me a platform to use, and I will use it, he said, to the best of my ability. But I will always put Christ first. Because putting Christ first lets everything else happen. Priority dictates capacity. 
to hear someone like Tom Landry say that opens up our eyes to see a completely new, different avenue of life. Because again, we can go after all the money in the world. But if we're leaving our responsibilities and our families behind, what's it really getting us? What are we really seeking after? What are we really going after? And the question is, if I'm really putting God first, what am I really afraid I'm going to miss out on? Because I can tell you that the money, job, the success, by worldly standards, it'll give you the fun stuff. It'll make you feel comfortable. It'll make you have the toys you want. It'll make you have people look at you and say, I wish I was like them. But all that stuff... That's outward comfort. What about the inward comfort? What about the spiritual need that you have within you to become spiritually satisfied by having a loving Savior wrap his arms around you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. What are you really going to miss out on? By putting God first and seeking after him, and doing what I call all the weird stuff he tells me to. Because it doesn't seem right. Frankly, sometimes, I don't want to. But he's God. And he knows what I'm supposed to do, and how I'm supposed to do it, and how long I'm supposed to do it. Ephesians 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He made us to be inwardly satisfied. He made us to want to love on Him and to be accepted by Him and to do what He wants instead of everything that we find important. He made us that we need to be seeing his words, his life. Because frankly, everything you're doing right now is for a moment. Everything you're doing in life is for a moment. But as someone once said, all which troubles us is for a moment. But underneath the great central entrance of the main aisle is the inscription, that only is important is which is eternal. The only thing important in your life is what's eternal. Not anything that's happening right now. Putting God one, putting Him top priority, allows you to not only be inwardly, spiritually satisfied with Him, but allows you to let other people see who the real God is. The God that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Struggling, trying to figure out what to do, how to make things work, say three simple things when you wake up in the morning. God, 
direct my day. Help me remember this is your day. And remind me that you're a king and you're a father. Allow me to see it and follow you. I want to be like you. I'll close with this. Someone has calculated how a typical lifespan of 70 years is spent. Sleep. 23 years, or 32.9%. Work, 16 years. TV, 8 years. Eating, 6 years. Travel, 6 years. Leisure, 4.5 years. Illness, 4 years. Dressing, 2 years. And religion, you ready for this? Six months in an average lifespan of 70 years is how long people spend time with God. Six months. Help me remember this is your day. Help me remember that you are king. Direct today as you want. Are you willing? It'll change your life from this to that. And it will allow you to see exactly what God thinks is important, not you. I want to challenge you to quit living in chaos and start living in peace with what He wants. Father, I thank you. I thank you that I don't have to do everything that I think is important. Father, I thank you that I only have to do what you think is important. Father, I pray that you will help myself and that you will help us so we, Father, that we don't get so busy that we forget what you really are asking of us. Father, help us to live at peace knowing Father, knowing that every day we can say, help my day to be as you desire. Remind me that you're king. And Father, guide me today to make the choices you want me to make. Help me to know that when that happens, that you are going to bring and show me which interruptions I need to deal with. And Father, which ones I don't. Father, help us. Help us to know that with you in charge, we can't go wrong. Father, we love you today and we praise you. Be with us as we leave this place. Guide us, Father. In that name we pray. Amen. Have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday.